Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Home Abstract and Title Company was founded in 1867 and is the oldest company still operating in McLennan County. Home Abstract is comprised of a team of honest, friendly, hardworking professionals dedicated to providing both commercial and residential real estate clients with the highest level of communication and service. Their team is committed to working hard and building and maintaining strong relationships because transactions are so much more than just deals. They are clients deserving of the courtesy, care and respect that home abstract and title company is known for visit home abstract and title company at homeabstract.com cross the brazos and waco i'm safe when i reach seven well, welcome back to the Waco History Podcast. This is our Crossroads series, our Crossroads series continuing, and we've we've had several episodes. Rick, right? Absolutely. Rick Ellis is yeah, back as co-host. We're knocking them out. And so, uh, in fact, uh, the Athens of Texas, or our academic Crossroads episode, was so robust, as they say in academia, Yeah, we had to make two uh, episodes out of it. So this is episode two. Yeah, and then I just want to say, Stephen, that episode one, the parts in episode one where you just nailed it, and uh, maybe some of your best commentary ever. I, so I, I think so. And just listener, we're recording episode two before we record, record episode one. That's why, <laughs> why Rick's comment is is hilarious, but puts pressure really on episode one. So we are uh, very happy to be our to have two guests with us. Uh, so we've got a full room today, but we've got folks who've done a lot of research on a couple of landmark local educational mm-hmm. institutions. Rick, you want to introduce our guests? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I think they'll do the best introducing themselves, and I'd love to ask them a few questions about themselves to kind of tee them up too. Well, let's let's do that. Yeah, let's yeah, get Marlene, to know our tell, guests. tell us uh, about yourself. Well, I'm Marlene McMichael. I actually live in Georgetown now, but I worked for TSTC, which is Texas State Technical College, for decades. Let's let's say that way. Part it started as a consultant, and then it and it worked into a full time position. And I retired less a little bit less than a year ago as a associate vice chancellor for government affairs. So that was my primary job at TSTC. I would do all the federal um, issues, go to Washington for that, but but mostly worked at the state capitol, and that was my background. I knew many of the legislators there. Well, most importantly, where did you grow up? I grew up in South Texas near Corpus Christi. Gotcha. Yeah. And my claim to fame is that I wrote the 50th anniversary coffee table book for TSTC, and so I am the keeper of all TSTC oh, trivia. That's what that means. So, so if our listeners are really... Uh, invigorated by this discussion, where would they go find that? They uh, would just contact the chancellor's office on the Waco campus, and I know that there are extra books there, so um, they can pick one up. It's it's wonderful history. I awesome. and I commend you for doing this type of a podcast because some of the icons who were instrumental in starting TSTC are what I call uh, Texas heroes. Mm. I mean, they really were. I mean, Jack sure. Colgen is. Mm-hmm mammoth and you know i know that everybody in waco knows that name but you may not know everything he did Mm -hmm. and i was stunned Mm -hmm. and uh, so he's just he's a great guy and he was very instrumental there were others um john conley and then there's a whole conley connection all the way through tstc so um i i love hearing these stories particularly in that time frame because this was the post-world war ii era and it was like the can-do America, you know, mm-hmm. and that generation did things that they never dreamed possible when they were kids, and yet they did them, and it's, it, to me, is a, a very exciting time in our history. Yeah, yeah, and uh, 
people like Jack left an incredible uh, shadow or cast a great shadow on our community. We actually, you wouldn't know this because we haven't uh, released those other episodes yet, but he's, he's proved big in a couple of our episodes so far. So, yeah, well, I could tell you a whole bunch of things he did, but uh, <laughs> maybe I better yeah. wait to the next podcast. So Ashley, how about you? Give us, give us your uh, bio. So I've been teaching history at MCC for 23 years now and um, a Baylor guy as well. So very comfortable with Waco, not here, not from here originally, born in Houston and I was raised in Southern California. But I got back as soon as I could. He's got a Texan, though. He's got the birth certificate. That's, that's all right. that matters. That's right. And a- he, uh, Ashley and I matriculated together. That's true. Yeah. So I, too, have a lot of faith in Stephen. I'm sure that first episode was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> What's your claim to fame, Ashley? I, uh, I really don't have one. Um, my uh, Getting by on getting by has become my stock and trade. Um, but I am. I did not write the book on MCC, so I would like to... <laughs> Uh, we do have a 50-year anniversary edition that our friend Kim Patterson wrote, and mm. Sandra Sanchez did a 40-year, and there's a Baylor uh, master's thesis by Michael Grant, um, one of the original 22 faculty, Mike White, did a lot of research. So I'm building on all of those, uh, all of those great scholars. Uh, Ashley is also uh, um, he's, uh, prolific in the blogosphere. You want to mention your blog, Ashley? So I've got a substack these days. I think it's um, imaginatively titled Ashley's Substack. Yeah. So. All right. So check nice. it out. Yeah. So check it out. It's uh, it's required reading. <laughs> so I think we said we would start, I think, with uh, um, Marlene. If, if you want to start giving us a little bit of background on it's an institution that's had many names, uh, <laughs> and keeping them straight and when it changes is is as big a task as anything in writing a uh, mm-hmm. writing a book on it. But if you could kind of lay out the story for us uh, on what we now know uh, as TSTC, and then we'll go back and let Ashley uh, kind of talk about how that landscape emerges for MCC. All right. Um, as you know, after World War II, many of the military bases across the state you know, got deactivated, how do you say that? Yeah, deactivated. Deactivated Uh. notices. They actually gave you a notice, Mm, and that that happened in 1964. And there was, you know, much concern in Waco as to whether or not Waco would even survive because Mm. the um, salary, annual salary, was like $19 million. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know whether you realize it, but there's 2,100 acres for that military base that is right. now TSTC. That's that's a huge land mass. It makes TSTC one of the largest actual land campuses in the U.S., mm. actually. And there were over 4,000 military personnel there and another 800 or so uh, civilian personnel. So there was real concern about, you know, what are we going to do? And, well, there, and the reality is that that was the one time in history, in Waco's history, if you look at the population curve, it actually flattened out. Yeah. It was with the closure of those bases. Yeah. Um, maybe even slightly negative. So your, your, your point's well taken. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, Waco's been blessed with some great community leaders. And there was a team. It was Harry Province and uh, Harlan Fentress and, and then Jack Colgen, who mm-hmm. kind of became a team. And both um, Province and Colgen were very well connected politically. And so they had schematics and drawings and, you know, the the floor plans of the whole base. And they took them and dropped them off at the governor's office. They went to Washington. They did everything they could think of to um, find a new purpose. Hmm. And what they were thinking of was a like a National Guard uh, pilot training type of facility. Right. And uh, so they went and they talked to Governor Conley about that. That was Governor John Conley uh, at that time. And um, Conley wasn't convinced. He, he Basically, he felt like, you know, and particularly in higher ed, we weren't thinking big enough. We weren't thinking outside the box. And what uh, was happening is that the military was doing a lot of the technical mechanic type training mm-hmm. that, for the U.S., and they were downsizing. Mm-hmm. So Conley was very concerned that industrial leaders needed workforce. And so um, I think they visited with him before the session in 65 uh, in December. 
he went and he called in uh, February of, um, yeah, so they visited with him in 60, December of 64, mm-hmm. and um, he visited with um, Dr. Earl Rudder and um, Senator Bill Moore, and they called him um, the Bull of the Brazos. He was very powerful senator, mm-hmm. and um, but, but he had Texas A and M in his district, and he he talked to them about A and M taking over the military base, mm-hmm. and um, and in order to create a technical education center, and the the brilliance of that is nobody else probably could have done it in the state. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had to be that senator, and it had to be <clears throat> that college mm-hmm. to make this work. And um, the very next day, he called uh, this threesome from Waco back in and said this is what he wanted to do. And uh, so that started the ball rolling. And um, in in first part of April of that year, the session had just started in, in January, just like always, he issued an emergency proclamation that this needed to be done. And so in less than three weeks' time, the bill was filed, passed by the House, passed by the Senate, and signed by the governor. Oh, my goodness. And so the property became Texas A&M. Well, actually, that's not quite true. They took over the property, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And uh, what was interesting is that both – well, then they called in – Dr. Roy Duggar, and he was a high-level executive in Washington, D.C. He was very well-connected with LBJ. In fact, he was one of the 10 people LBJ called to the White House after he returned from Dallas in the assassination of John Kennedy. Mm -hmm. So he's a good advisor. He was like a GS-16 in the pay grade. And so they called him, and and he was also an A&M graduate. Uh, Dr. Rudder would consider nobody to head up the institution at uh, in Waco, except an A and M graduate. So <laughs> Rudder brings three names, and um, they sit down with Conley, and you know they talk, and then Rudder and Duggar, the Rudder Duggar. I ca- I keep calling it that connection. <laughs> um, they got on a plane and went to Houston to meet with um, some leaders there, and they said we don't we don't want um, these three names. We want you, Doctor. Duggar, mm-hmm. to be the executive director of uh, this new campus. And so they had to negotiate the salary, and he actually got ended up getting paid more than the president of Texas A&M. <laughs> because, <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, because he was, he was a high-level was executive harder. in yeah. Washington. Yeah. 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 And so anyway, that's, that's sort of how it all started. The interesting thing, though, is that they were both smart enough to know that because in a military uh, institution, when it closes, it's basically stripped of everything, and it's either deeded over to a, um, a city or community or, or different things. In, right. in Harlingen, it was actually split in half and deeded part to the city and part to somewhere else. But in uh, Sweetwater, it actually belonged to the city, and the military right. leased it from the city. But here, they knew that if they waited for the military to give it to Waco or to the college, it would take 20 years. Well, the state mm-hmm. wouldn't invest in it, and neither would the federal government. So it, it wasn't going to work. So they really worked out a plan to buy mm. this $52 million, I mean $57 million facility, and they bought it for a little over $5 million. Mm. But the legislature had to appropriate that money. But mm. that, was, that was the real brilliance of how that all hmm. transpired. And I don't want to take everybody else's time. So no, I'll, no, that's I'll, great. That's good. But, well, the, the the funniest part, some of the funniest stories of, in this was that the military was used to stripping the bases. So you'd have semis come in, you know, every week, and they'd be empty, and they'd go set up shop somewhere, and they'd just start putting stuff in their semi to take back to Fort Hood or to mm-hmm. wherever. And uh, Doctor Duggar would go out there, and he goes, "Y'all go to the snack bar and have a soda on me." And then he'd go call their general or their commander, and mm-hmm. uh, they'd have to come back, reassemble everything, and put it all back. And uh, <laughs> one time, he was negotiating with a civilian representative of a general from somewhere, and the negotiations had come on, had gone on for three hours, and he was really frustrated with that, and because uh, he would tell everybody, "I want every widget, every chair." every wrench, every hammer. Only thing I don't want is the smell of the jet engine. 
And, <laughs> and so he wanted everything on that base. And that was the deal that he'd made with uh, the military originally right. and with the president. And um, so anyway, he after three hours of negotiating, he looked at his watch and he knew where LBJ would be in the in the White House. So he called him. He says, here, talk to your boss. And he gave the phone to this civilian negotiator, and that was the end of the whose base is it really. Oh, wow. That's, a, that's yeah. a good strategy. I need, <laughs> I, need to, I need to use that sometime. Yep. It was, it was uh, I can just, and the, 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 I actually, I think I read this in the uh, oral histories from Baylor, uh-huh. and uh, you, he said you could hear LBJ on the other end. I mean, you could hear him yelling basically at this negotiator but that was the end of the uh, (laughs) whose property is it and it was it wasn't it james Conley technical institute right wasn't that the name of it initially yeah initially under a&m it was the james Conley technical institute of texas a&m okay and um we'll get to that maybe but later it when it was separated from a&m it became um the uh, TSTI or the Texas State Technical Institute. Mm-hmm. What did that kind of affiliation with AM initially do for the? I mean, how did it kind of shape that early history? The fact that they had a connection to such an established system. It, well, it was brilliant. I mean, it really was. Um, in that um, there was some authorization for bonds and some other things, but it also most. Um, the legislature only appropriated two hundred thousand dollars to uh, James Conley Tech. They called it Conley Tech, mm-hmm. um, and so that wasn't even enough to open the gates. It, yeah. it, it cost a million dollars just the electric bill a year, so yeah. two hundred thousand dollars wasn't going to go very far. And so they really had to start their programs based on federal grants and some different things like that. But that A and M name helped in that, mm-hmm. and so it was mm-hmm. it was part of that it's in it and it smoothed a lot of ruffled feathers because people didn't understand what a vocational technical school was uh, in fact there's there is a quote in in the book and and it was in the oral histories uh, from Baylor that they interviewed Duggar's assistant and she said they thought we were sort of like a job corps and you know it was for students who couldn't do well in a college environment mm. and that really wasn't the case because you know our statute says when i say our i mean tstc statute says that we are to focus on highly technical programs not typically offered in community colleges i see and so and then really that is the mission of tstc is supposed to be the high-end technical and it always was mm-hmm. and uh, so at any rate, um, one of the first conversations that Duggar had with, they called them the board of directors then, not the board of regents, but mm. with the board of directors at A&M was they were real concerned about whether or not we were going to allow female students. Mm-hmm. And he said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so not too because long. Because at the time, they weren't. people may not realize that, but A&M was a male-only institution, Absolutely, right? mm-hmm. absolutely. So that was a big sticky point. But he won that debate. Um, and what happened was the uh, Texas House uh, Education Committee really felt like w- when they set up T- uh, Conley Tech, it was governed by the pr- precursor to Texas Education Agency and the precursor to the Higher Ed Coordinating Board right. and the Board of directors of Texas A&M. So the problem was nobody really knew who the boss was and mm-hmm. really understood what they were trying to do. Duggar did. He was mm-hmm. he he very his whole career was in technical education and and he actually was the director in the Washington uh, Department of Education for manpower uh, training. And so but but it it was confusing and so uh, the House Committee, uh, Interim Committee on Education, actually in, um, I think it was 67, um, recommended that they sever. Mm-hmm. And so that next legislature, they did. Mm-hmm. and um, But that was the reason. 
Okay. So okay. In, in that early history, there's a, uh, a, a young local rep here, um, Murray. Murray Watson. Murray yeah. Watson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, what was his involvement? I mean, I guess he, just getting these bills well, through the sen- house. He was a senator. Okay. And um, no, he was incredible. Yeah. And um, he, um, when they severed TSTC from A&M, and like I said, uh, the Bull of the Brazos passed the first bill that created us and put us with A&M. Nobody argued with him. Right. <laughs> well, when they severed us and tried to create something new that had never happened before and made, us, made TSTC an independent institution under its own Board of Regents, there was tremendous controversy. Mm-hmm. That session, there were three Senate filibusters uh, to oppose it. Uh, the name changed like three times in the piece of legislation. Oh, wow. yeah, I mean, they wanted to call it the manpower resources system, and that was scratched out. <laughs> and then it was the um, State Technical Institute of Texas. And then that was scratched out, and it was the, in fact, I, I have the piece of legislation right here. You can see all the scratches. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, and eventually, yeah. when that piece of legislation passed, which was Senate Bill or House Bill One Thirty Seven, um, it um, was uh, TSTI, Texas State Technical Institute. But Murray was able to get it through all three of those filibusters mm. and into law. Great, so, yeah. yeah. Naming things in my in my professional career, it's always the most difficult thing: a new product, a new business. Naming Child. stuff, uh, uh, yeah, those were pretty easy. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I could see where they would struggle getting getting the right name on the institution. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what was some of the early programming? What were what were did they focus on? Um, they they did some of the same ones we do today, which is uh, welding, building construction, building. Um, it, but they also did meteorology and some and and some others. Um, but it was more focused on um, the mechanics mm-hmm. uh, of industry, not so much things like um, well, computers, mechanics now, but um, not culinary and not things that would be what I would say softer skills. Right. Well, that that uh, that's great, Marlene. Right, we'll come back because we uh, obviously the, the institution evolves, uh, okay. you know, as as the, as the book goes on. But I want to get the gen- genesis narrative uh, for MCC, Ashley. As you, I mean, it, it's interesting that I, I don't think I had connected the dots. It's, we're really talking about the same period uh, with both institutions, and so talk a little bit about uh, MCC. Same period, and also some of the same mm-hmm. heroes. There's a monument to Senator Murray Watson on our campus. He was also uh, super important in uh, getting. I think he sponsored the legislation that uh, created uh, MCC, gave it the green light. Um, as Marlene says, it's a. It really is an American story, and it takes place in the context of post World War II American history. And there's, it's part of the economic growth miracle. Um, I think it's part of the the space race and the mm-hmm. Sputnik scare and um, the baby boom. It takes place right in the middle of sort of America's civil rights movement. It wouldn't be possible without the Great Society. There's a couple of pieces of legislation that make this the opportune moment in 1963 and 1965, uh, talking about higher education facilities and uh, so, so much is going on, and it is, it is the perfect moment, and it shouldn't be surprising, I suppose, that TSTC and MCC uh, come from that same period. We mentioned Harry uh, Provence. He was uh, instrumental in all of this. You see all kinds of support coming from the TRIB um, for MCC, and it's almost like a, a, an inside conspiracy uh, <laughs> in, in, in some ways. Uh, Paul Marable is the other big name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Chamber of Commerce, and they they created a steering committee, I think in 63 or 64, and um, started out, uh, somehow the the chamber appropriated $1,000, and they went out there and they created this uh, upsurge of public opinion for uh, for a community college. We would have probably called them junior colleges back then. MCC claims to be the uh, first junior college in Texas to incorporate as a community college. Mm. And I don't know that not to be true. And, and what was the reason? Um, what 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 is the difference 
between a junior college and community college, or is there a difference? Is so, it just a name evolution? I think it is name evolution. I think okay. there's a lot of good reasons to call a community college a community college instead of a junior college. Mm-hmm. Uh, although now a lot of people are trying to get away from community college, but um, it, it brand wise, mm-hmm. right? But um, yeah, I think in uh, I think we do incorporate it as McLennan Community College. Although in a lot of the state paperwork, they didn't recognize that. You'll still see McLennan Junior College. Uh, in some things. So they, they get these uh, Waco community leaders together um, and uh, they start putting together this plan. And uh, again, there's, there's some lobbying to do with the state. You've got to get approval from the Texas Board of Education. So it's got to be a, um, got to be a lot of coordination with uh, Austin. One of the interesting things is there was a worry that Baylor would not be happy mm. with a junior college in town and another hero in this. Steven, can you defend that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, I cannot defend it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it gets better because uh, Abner McCall was a big champion mm-hmm. of it. And he would, uh, again, we lots of supporting stories in, uh, in the trib and many positive quotes from Abner McCall. There's a big meeting that happens at Kaiser auditorium. And that was the symbolism of saying, Hey, we're, we're, we're all in this together. Um, so this is the president of Baylor coming out Abner on McCall. Baylor's campus, pro MCC, yep. right? Yep. Publicly coming out, our uh, um, our friend John Ballou, who's mm-hmm. so who keeps celebrating hundred plus birthdays, yes, yeah. um, is uh, still sharp, remembers it all, and evidently within uh, you know uh, John Ballou was provost. Eventually, I think he was he was not provost during this time, but you know Abner McCall privately and publicly was. Very supportive of MCC. There's a place for this only helps Baylor, only helps the community. So Yeah, yeah. Let, let me just say from a, a current time and space in Waco, I, I still see a lot of that collaboration going on between mm-hmm. these institutions we're talking about. It, it's really quite amazing to uh, to see the camaraderie, and it's it's more than that. I mean, they're, they generally genuinely go out of their way to help each other. So. Yeah, I mean, I think they've doubled down on that in recent years. I think it's a... It's been a good relationship. And yeah. President yeah. Duggar from TSTC was also vocally, you know, very vocal in support. Uh, we were, I think at the time, Waco was the largest town in Texas not to have a community college. There was a community college in Hill. There was a community college in Temple. There was a community college in Navarro Community mm-hmm. College. All of those presidents, uh, obviously, they, they were getting Waco people come to those colleges. Mm-hmm. They all supported the college. So everybody came together. That, that, that's a fun story. Um, of everyone come together for uh, for the college, so yeah, lots of lots of politics, um, lots of uh, I there there are votes involved. There was three thousand needed three thousand signatures on a petition to get the board to look at it. Uh, MCC got seven thousand. Mm-hmm. The first uh, the first vote they they had a series of votes. Did we want a community college? Um, and even more important, would we want to pay taxes for a community college? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that first tax vote was evidently very, very close. A little over 10,000 people voted, and it was about a 100-vote margin. And so we've won a few close elections in our day, <laughs> but and, and, and some of them get more comfortable. But Yeah, I, I interviewed Colin Smith. I did an interview with Colin Smith, who's a local attorney. Uh, and, I mean, one early question with MCC is where are you going to put it? You know, and, and he talked about that process, but talk a little bit about the setting is set for yeah. TSTC, but not so much for MCC. So yeah. this is great because, of course, if you hang around Waco, when I when I got here in 1983 for the first time, people were talking about it. The problem with Waco is we had this tornado. And even in the 90s, you know, <laughs> what explains Waco, the tornado? So we're always looking for ways to revitalize Waco. And as we as we said, there were some there. uh there were some bad things happening in Waco. A lot of uh, a lot of people moving out of downtown, and there was a lot of worry about Waco during this period. So the business community was anxious to see some a place like TSCC. The statistics that said a community college would be good um, for the city. People were interested in that. So there was a thought: uh, if we're going to revitalize downtown, let's put let's put MCC downtown. That evidently there was a big building right across the courthouse that was under consideration. Hmm. Um, maybe the Montgomery Ward had mm-hmm. just gone into business. There was a, there was talk about that. Uh, and then of course the whole idea of moving out there onto the escarpment on the old Cameron property, which was known by the Camerons anymore. 
200 acres, um, getting ahead of the story, but $290,000 for that property. Mm-hmm. That was a good deal. I would do it. I would yeah. do that, that right deal. now. Yeah. That <laughs> I'll would go out be, and get my checkbook. If I could just imagine an, a nice, uh, an, a nice development out there, um, residential, uh, I, oh, doubt, yeah. I doubt we could get a place for 290 anymore mm-hmm. if that's the way it had gone. Um, but, um, so there was a lot of, a lot of, and in fact, a lot of antipathy. If, why are we doing this if we're not going to put it downtown? Now, the reason that Conley made so much sense with, so, so TSTC is, is just ahead of all of this kind of tramping down uh, the trail for MCC. And so if um, the TSTC or, or uh, TST is tramping down this, the trail for MCC. And so if TSTC has this deal with Conley, it's obviously this huge Air Force base and they'd have plenty of room for our 22 faculty members. Um, and so we go out there, I think September of, uh, 1966, I think is our first fall mm-hmm. and we're there until January of 69, I believe. Okay. Okay. So it's about right. Yeah. And, and, and at first they were leasing from the air force and then it flipped in the air force and MCC were leasing from TSTC yes. or TSTI then. At that point. So Marlene, do you agree with everything Ashley just said, or would you like to offer a rebuttal? Or? <laughs> no, yeah. no I, I agree. I, I am. There still is a lot of collaboration today because it's really important in higher ed that you don't um, step on each other's toes and that you don't, um, in other words, for example, there is an agreement that TSTC does not teach uh, medical type of programs or uh, in, in Waco because MCC does a great job. Yeah, we right. do the same. We have the same agreement with Temple College in our at our Hunto campus. Now there is no community college in Harlingen, so that's a big medical EMT uh, operating room technician, all of that stuff. They do a lot of that training there. Dental hygiene is mm-hmm. even in, in Harlingen, even in West Texas, because those programs aren't offered in that area. So we don't duplicate programs. Well, and, and that, that's an interesting uh, aspect we haven't talked about is the statewide reach of TSTC. Uh, and, and Waco plays a, plays a particular part in that, in the in the overall state Actually, construct. that's, that's a, va- a very good point, because that was John Connolly's logic. He wanted industry to to have an educational institution that would teach what they needed, but he wanted it central, and that's what Waco was. Mm-hmm. You so, mean kind of a crossroads of sorts of the state? Exactly. Yeah, you came up with that idea. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Huh. <laughs> so, so Ash, these uh, 22 faculty, I mean, what, what areas are they, I mean, how do they begin to build an academic program? What do they, what do they decide to focus on? Yeah. So they hire a president first. So yeah, let me back up one one sure. second if I can. So there's there's Provence and there's uh, Maribel and they're trying to put this together. And evidently, so they're having these town meetings and uh, more and more interest is coming. And uh, they have a meeting to uh, to elect a, a a chair of the steering committee. And evidently, Provence has somebody in mind, and someone is so vocal that he gets nominated president of the steering committee. And before anybody knows what's going on, um, this fellow, Henry Griffin, is, is, the, is the chair of the steering committee, and he'll be the first um, president of the MCC board. So they, they, they have the election, they put together a board, and as they're, it's not too long, and they'll, they start hiring administrators. Mm-hmm. And so hire And, and now, important fact, so, so the MCC board is elected locally. That's right. TSDC's board is nominated by the governor. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay. Very, very different. Yeah, yeah. Different construct, different governance mm-hmm. structure. Okay, sorry, so actually. I think 47 different community colleges, and we've all, yeah, we're all locally governed. Mm. Yeah, although mm. there's certainly cooperations, sort of a federation of community colleges. Um, so we, uh, we, we hire, or we, we've got a board now, and they hired Wilbur Ball, um, who was a vice president at Wharton College, and he comes aboard and starts building starts building a uh, administration and also hiring folks. So first 22 faculty across the board, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, when I, when I came to MCC in 2000, you could still see some of these original guys and um, they've, I think they're all gone now, but uh, 
um, interesting, interesting group all over the board. Um, a, you know, famous chemistry teacher. There, we, we, we taught government and history. And, and then you get a whole bunch of people, you know, sort of D-Day plus two, plus three. I mean, we get, we get a bunch of people come in in 69 when the campus gets over to um, our current location up there on the hill and uh, spreading out from there. But uh, we've got uh, Marilyn Kelly, who's an, a, uh, another local person, always fun, um, started out one of the original 22, and she was actually 22 years old. She said that mm-hmm. many people in her class were, were, were older than she was. But uh, <laughs> Mike White, again, who wrote a lot of these early histories, was there teaching history. Um, so um, fun uh, by the time when we build a building for a long, long time uh, on the main campus, we can house the whole faculty in one one office building, the <laughs> faculty office building, still known as the faculty office building, although we've got faculty all over campus. <laughs> was there an original building on that campus that, that you guys reused or were you starting from scratch? So we did start from scratch. I mean, it's just it's it's wilderness out there. Yeah, in, like, there was a house. There's the Cameron home. Right. Which we are. <laughs> Rebuilding, replicating um, the 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 Cameron House survives, which is great. Um, but yeah, so we we build this roll, you know, these rolling hills, and we build these buildings. And I can't remember. There's seven or eight original buildings. They look very, they look very 1960s, mm-hmm. and we've we've been trying to change that over it, the years. It's got to be one of the most beautiful, you know. Yeah, listener, if you have not been to MCC's campus, somewhere, go see where the Highlanders hang out. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful campus. It really is. Speaking of Highlanders, where did that uh, mascot come from? Where's so that, the... that comes early on, and that's, uh, so when they decided it was going to be McLennan Community College, there was the, the Scottish um, flair McLennan. Say it, say it. McLennan. There you go. Very nice. I'm sorry if you're of Scottish descent. (laughs) Beautiful campus. There was a decision. uh, Someone suggested just one big building and have everything in there. And so we, someone wisely decided to put put buildings all over that area. And so it's a beautiful place to walk from building to building. We have lots of folks come out there who use that as their walking route. It really is. Before I knew it as a Baylor, as a Baylor kid, before I knew anything about MCC, I'd heard about 10 people say, oh, what a beautiful campus. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, a, it's, so, it's beautiful out there. So Marlene, mascots. TSTC, has it ever had a mascot? Yes, but I don't remember what it is. Um, <laughs> I, w- I would say mascots and sports are not um, a high priority. Um, I sure. think Harlingen campus has a mascot, and I think Waco does as well. And it's probably buried in that book, but I didn't. I didn't pull that out. So, um, but but normally there's there's not a lot of uh, there's certainly no competitive sports mm-hmm. unless it's right. just a bunch of kids getting out there and. Yes, although they do uh, compete in a bunch of industrial competitions. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, we, a, there's a whole... Uh, thank you for that lead-in. Yeah. Um, TSTC's students are have won more um, Skills USA awards than all Texas colleges combined. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's that's like our Olympics. That's, that's our... Um, Football. So, for for a listener, <laughs> explain Skills USA just a well, little bit. What would they do they, in one of these competitions? They compete first statewide. For example, you compete in just about any type of industry. A- automotive repair. Automotive welding, repair. Welding HVAC, is a big one. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the picture of the girl on the cover of our 50th anniversary book was the national winner of the welding competition, nice. and uh, female. So, um, but yes, they compete na- uh, statewide, and then the state winners get to go to a national competition. And this is huge. There are thousands of, of students there. And uh, the campuses have always been very supportive. They're very proud of these kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of their banners and awards hang in one of our buildings, and that's, that's our trophy room, so to speak. Mm. But, uh, yes, that's a big deal. Well, back to sports. I'm sorry we don't have time for me to list all of our junior college national championships. <laughs> no, we've got time. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Right. Actually, go. Right. Yeah. Don't miss one. Just go fast. So we, we have won national championships in tennis, which we don't have a tennis team anymore. Uh, baseball a couple of times. Golf many times. Um, our dance team is I maybe like eight times in a row or something. So we have had a great run of sports. Great basketball teams. Great basketball team this year, if you're following along. So, And I think... 
you know, it, it's amazing to me that MCC caught on so fast. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're talking about late 1960s. Yeah. And within a decade, MCC is a local institution. And, and maybe some of that, you know, we have some early success in baseball. There was the old major league player, uh, Craig McMurtry, I think. Mm-hmm. And so you'd hear, of course, there was Vinnie Johnson. Mm-hmm. And so I do think as sports crazy as Texans are, Central Texans are, um, you know, we're a commuter campus, so we, we never built a 50,000-person stadium. But, uh, but, but there was, there was that, that sports hook for uh, the, the Highlanders were out there doing some good. Yeah, so I, I I wanted to ask that. I mean, as far as getting established, because I I think for for both of you, you're heading into the '70s. So you talk about the '60s being good for legislation being passed, but the economy is about to crater a, a bit in the '70s. And so, talk a little bit more, Ashley, about you know why you think MCC is able to establish itself so quickly. So it's great timing all along. Mm-hmm. Perfect time to be um, chartered. And then I, even as bad as the 70s are there, I, I don't think this is true anymore, but when you talk to some of our, our, I was about to say old timers, but that's not the way to say it. Um, but when you talk to some of those original <laughs> folks, um, you know, they would, they would tell you bad economic times, yeah. conversely, are sometimes good for community college. And that may yeah. have been true. Um, but that is, you know, I, I talked about coming along in the middle of the civil rights moment and, uh, MCC had a great blessing, right? They, they started in 1965 without any history and they could make, they, they, they could decide to be open enrollment and we're for everybody Mm -hmm. in the community. And you saw that diversity from the very beginning, from administration, faculty, um, student body. So that was a great blessing. So we were, we really were the place for the community and, and, and remain that way. And so that may have been part of it. Here's a, Here's a place that you can really celebrate, again, with the benefit of having almost no history and that, that we have to apologize for. That's really interesting. Because I think for both these institutions, yeah, I, I mean, agree. yeah, you know, Baylor's struggling across town a little bit with the weight uh, of its history, I would say, then and now. And, you know, how do we reckon with that part of our past? But great to be, to great. be a new institution. Yeah. And great people. 1972, we, we, we're, and again, just one story among a million stories. So many, so many, so many heroes, as Marlene says. But uh, Al Pollard came from uh, from from uh, Mississippi via Tennessee. I mean, ten years earlier, the guy had been um, walking with uh, Martin Luther King um, and Diane Nash and and in the Nashville sit-ins. And now he's an administrator at MCC, uh, coming with all kinds with a, a technical school background, but just sort of there to firm our spine and, and in some ways, you know, be an exemplar of moral courage. And he was with us, you know, he's still, he's still got a, a name on a door in there, but he was there every day for 45 years. And it was just a lot of, you know, you can't, you can't succeed with, without some luck. And we, we just got lucky on a lot of things, timing, personnel, really some, some great people came through those doors. Yeah, Marlene, you're over here nodding just the, the, the democratization of, kind of education or education for all just I mean as Ashley was talking about that I mean how does that play out at TST well certainly I think it's it's huge Mm -hmm. you know most of our students even today are first generation college students Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know their families and and graduation is so much fun (laughs) because everybody comes yeah because it is a real celebration this is the first kid and and the family uh, that's you know, got a degree. So it is in the fact that under A&M, we were a female institution as well. Mm-hmm. So I think those things played a big role. Plus we're technical. So, you know, the, the people that we attract are people that are, are used to getting their hands dirty. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, um, and, you know, our chancellor loves to take, take people into one of the machining rooms and on the, the, post the blackboard although it's a whiteboard there's all this geometry and and all kinds of math that I can't even tell you what it is <laughs> or what subject matter in math it is algebra or whatever he says look at that and tell me that's not college mm-hmm. you know because some I I love the fact that 
um, I was at a conference recently, and the, the speaker liked to say that she likes to find the sparkle in everybody. Everybody has sparkle. And that's true. You know, some of us are, are uh, work with our hands, and our sparkle really is in what we can craft. Mm-hmm. And um, So, so we're, we're at this really interesting time uh, in our economic history, certainly in Waco and re- really across the country. People with trade skills are in high demand. And as a former business owner who hired a ton of people from TSTC, um, and so I know I'm very familiar with those salaries and also as a uh, school board member, and I know what, you know what those salaries are. All of our plumbers made more than probably any teacher in Waco. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It, and it's not to denigrate one or the other, but it's to say – that that the the need in our in our society right now for people who know how to do things is mm. is is in high demand and so um, uh, I, I know uh, I don't have the uh, current stats at TSTC but I mean the the, the starting salaries of their graduates are right really and, good and I strong. I love that part about um, the way that we market our programs is that you can go online and see the program. You'll see what courses you'll take. You'll know exactly how much it's going to cost you. You'll know what jobs are available to you when you finish that program, and you'll know what those salaries are all online. Mm-hmm. And we have, um, I don't know if it's five or six today. Um, it started, I think, with five programs, and it may be up to seven. But some of our top programs, if you don't have a job in six months, we'll give you your tuition back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we guarantee jobs. In in fact, the, the, the programs are evaluated on an annual basis so that if they either don't have enough, don't attract students, don't attract jobs, or they're low pay, they're cold. And something, for example, last the last session I worked for TSTC at the Capitol, there was a lot of angst because we we had the only associate degree in agriculture in our Harlingen campus very well-known popular professor and uh, they they decided after studying it that they made ten dollars an hour once they graduated Mm. and that it really wasn't hitting the Harlingen market as Mm. far as what they needed so they called the program and all the the valley legislators were upset and so we'd go in and explain well we're replacing it and using that land to put in alignment program they make eighty thousand dollars a year starting salary and they went oh yeah (laughs) then they power power line technicians just right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah those yeah electrical power linemen yes that's what that is well and yeah, and I love the way that that these institutions have evolved. Uh, you know, part of MCC story is is now they're able to provide four year uh, affordable four year degrees. Now, you want, want to talk about that a little bit, Ashley? Sure. Um, our university center, um, our university partners, Texas Tech and Tarleton, and other folks. Um, um, uh, just the idea of of having a, a great education at a more reasonable way. I mean, we don't have a four year state college here but but now we do mm-hmm. and so that that has been very helpful and that's been going on for about 20 years now and um gets bigger all the time and that that that's yeah. a great bonus we still feed a lot of folks into baylor and texas a&m mm-hmm. and university of texas and and institutions all over the world it it is also um a, you know the whole community college uh it, it it's a liminal space i think for mm-hmm. a lot of folks um I have uh, my two cousins, my two Waco cousins are both very successful. One graduated from, from TSDC and um, the other one uh, had, uh, graduated from mortuary school and they've done really great. They've been incredible for the community, but they were both at MCC a couple of semesters mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and got a lot, of, a, a lot out of that. And so again, it, it, when I think about how all of these places work together, Right, right. Mm-hmm. In our community. I mean, there's there's some life-changing, trajectory-changing stories. You know, we talked about that a little bit with TSTC. I mean, I know, I know personally of, of high school kids, local kids graduate, go to MCC, do the two-year engineering program, finish up at A&M. I mean, and these are first-generation Americans, and their, their life trajectory is different because we had these programs in Waco, and they could step through them. Marlene mentioned medical. I've We've had the nursing program since, since 1967. It's hard to walk into a Waco hospital and not mm-hmm. not 
not find yourself surrounded by MCC nurses, which mm-hmm. is and all kinds of medical tech. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I'd want to ask both of you to revisit in your research that I'm sure you ran into, uh, because sometimes I remind my chamber of commerce, uh, friend Rick, you know, we got to talk about the hard stuff too. So I, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in you kind of talking about maybe challenges that, that, that each institution went through. Um, you know, we, we've talked about success and getting established and support, great support and those sort of things, but perhaps maybe tension points or, or points where the institution ran into obstacles and maybe had to remake itself a little bit or evolve a bit. Mm-hmm. Even as I suggest that, you're both nodding. So I'm interested <laughs> to know kind of maybe for each of you some things that come to mind there. Well, I think I alluded to it a little bit earlier when we, when there was so much confusion about who we were mm-hmm. and what we taught, and we were actually governed by three different, two state agencies and a board of regents that was not our college, it was A&M, um, that was difficult, mm-hmm. you know, so, it's, and the, the, both Conley and Dr. Rudder were brilliant in putting Roy Duggar in as the first president. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because he's, he, un, he understood the vision. He knew what it could be. And so he worked to get that done. And so eventually when, when we were a standalone institution, they were able to, you know, create their own brand and create their own image. And so that, that was helpful. Um, we have institutions, uh, Communities coming all the time wanting us to put a TSTC there. And what people mm. need to understand is that the way this Texas law is written, and because of the networks in the, in the territory that are occupied by community colleges, we can't go into a community college district without permission. Mm-hmm. So we have to be invited. Mm. And to create a campus is really, it takes state legislation. So a community has to decide, much like they did with MCC, that we want this, then they have to raise enough startup capital to at least put us in a building because you can't build a building with legislative funds overnight. That's mm-hmm. gonna that's a two and a half to three year process. So they've got to to raise some capital. They have to get the bill passed. You know, we can we can say, yeah, we support that and we can handle that, but but they have to make the initiative. So that's a hard hurdle, mm-hmm. a big hurdle to overcome. But we have been able to add campuses, you know, so we have actually 10 locations right now across Texas. Um, you know, and, and some of our newest campuses will we'll outpace uh, Waco. Uh, we fully believe that the Fort Bend County campus will mm. be larger than Waco yeah. in the coming years. Well, Stephen, to dis- to despite you, Yes. And your negative comments about Chamber of Commerce. I would say I, in real I, time. Hey, hey d- d- don't take that no, from no, what no, I no. said. They were negative comments about you. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. We take well, back what we said about episode one. <laughs> it really wasn't that good, to be honest with you. The, um, there's a real-time story going on right now uh-huh. uh, in, in Waco between TSTC, the city, the county, Chamber of Commerce, and a few other partners to uh, to put a satellite uh, teaching facility in the industrial district. So uh, TSTC is, it was born where it was born because there was a free facility. Yeah. But if you look at how Waco's grown out, yep. that's not necessarily the industrial epicenter of yes. Waco. It's mm-hmm. it's really that kind of area bound by Highway 6, 84, and I-35. Which, which has capacity. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so this group has got together, and, and it, currently it's it's been funded. It's in the design process, so they'll put a – a satellite uh, industrial training center, which we're trying to figure out the name for it. So, like mm-hmm. I said, names are always hard. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a great game changer, I think, for the Waco and, and uh, uh, community. Oh, that's cool. And, and I think one of the assets, again, is people. And mm-hmm. that uh, our previous chancellor, Bill Segura, who had the vision for the return value funding formula, and Chancellor Segura, I mean, uh, Chancellor um, Reeser, are both very nimble, and they believe mm-hmm. that TSTC to be successful has to be nimble in order to respond to industry, and um, so they they go out of their way to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So Ashley, when you were nodding earlier when I was talking about challenges, maybe well, yeah. nimble is a good word. Um, yeah. Half of what we do is workforce, and mm-hmm. so again, Smalling says we you've that changes all the time, and yeah. doesn't doesn't help to provide the 
person we needed 10 years ago. I mean, yeah, VCR techs aren't right. getting the jobs anymore. <laughs> so yeah. that, that My favorite program that we got rid of was the pinball ma machine mechanic. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Dang, man. I wish that was on my resume. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. So from the very beginning, I suppose growing pains were our biggest problem. There was always a space issue. I mean, I think we, we started with less than a thousand students, I mean much less, and then within 10 years we were at 4,000 and then 6,000 and 8,000. And so we had space issues. And then of course, because we needed to build, that meant we were gonna have to have bond issues. Again, keep going to the folks at, uh, in, in McLennan County to support us, which they, which they basically have in just an amazing way. We did, we did lose one bond election once, um, but we, we won the rematch. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so, but building all those buildings. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we, we finally got to, um, we, we, we got to a place where we could accommodate the need. Um, I suppose going forward, you know, this is, we, we built all that right on, on the verge of more people doing distance education and online. And so who knows, you know, I, I think Baylor just did a rebuild that, 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 that anticipates fewer people being in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, who knows what, what this will look like 20 years from now. But um, I think it, as education changes, and I think, I think we were actually at a crossroads in terms of education nationally. Good, place, good placement of the, of, <laughs> of the word. Community good. college enrollment has been going down in the 21st century, mm -hmm. peaked a little uh, nationally. Community college enrollment peaked a little bit right after the turn of the century. So um, again, it's just trying to stay ahead of what the need is going to be. COVID was not easy, has not been easy on us. Mm -hmm. um, that was a huge challenge. I mean, again, talk about all of those beautiful buildings and all of those parking garages that we built and we didn't, you know, it, it was pretty deserted there for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in the economy right now, there, there's an abundance of jobs. There's more jobs than there are people. So that's, that probably hurts because employers are so desperate. They'll, they'll take people with lesser credentials just to get them in the door, get and they'll train on themselves, whatever. So, um, it, it, it probably is a tough time institutionally for both of you guys. It's, it's ironic. The downturns is when, when there's a greater abundance of people who, who will jump into those programs. Mm -hmm. Marlene, is your last chapter touch on the COVID era? For, no, it yeah. was written before COVID okay. era, but, okay. um, he, TSTC was actually the first college in Texas to go back to campus. Mm. And what we did was we did all the instruction online, but you can't teach welding online. <laughs> so uh, we just, we spaced out the labs. And so that was the interesting thing. We had to hire actually new instructors because you couldn't put but half the people in a lab at a given time. So you had to have more um, spots, I mean, mm -hmm. more labs or time slots and so that meant additional instructors and so but that's the way they handled it was was in order to keep the kids moving and and um and getting through the, with their programs they went to hybrid type of classwork but mm. but we didn't you know we managed the covid thing i mean they they had a whole task force that was just doing covid and and skip tracing and i'm not skip tracing what's the right word contact contact tracing, tracing. Mm -hmm. skip, skip tracing and that's a, a, that's a, a different, different podcast thing altogether that's a different but podcast. yes contact tracing and then the protocols and all of those sorts of things that went on to keep uh people um from getting sick mm -hmm. and i mean obviously some did but um i we real proud of how that was handled mm -hmm. Interesting that that hybrid model, and it's been carried on by some of the departments, including the HVAC department, allows the uh, students, uh, you know, we had students working 20, 30 hours a week for us, you know, doing their hybrid classes and doing their, their labs at night. It's like, that, that's, that's actually a great model because they mm -hmm. were, they were doing the online instruction, getting the lab work, and then they were coming to work and using their skills every day and making money. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at the, um, when you look at the financial uh, map here for that student, I mean they're they're earning money. You know whatever the cost of of TSTC is, which is very affordable. You know their cumulative earnings are are great. You know they're not. Uh, whereas in traditional university, you're you know usually not working at all for yeah. 
four or six years in my case. And uh, <laughs> um, it's called a victory lap. It's a deficit. Yeah, you're you're running a deficit, and then you got to dig your way out of it the rest of your your life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, uh, as y'all did research and looked at, I, I know you have some favorite stories that kind of you think of when you think of each of your institutions that uh, maybe some colorful stories from the history that kind of stand out to you. And I want to make sure we give you the opportunity to share those. Uh, if you have them, uh, they can be embarrassing if you want, but I mean, you know, this is going to be publicly aired. Uh, so you can, you can use your filter how you would like, but you know, I, I think both institutions have it, their own character. They have their own folklore and, and, uh, color in their history. And so I'm just interested in maybe some stories that stand out to both of you from MCC and TSTC. Well, again, all, so we're up to, over 200 full-time faculty and mm-hmm. uh, several hundred adjunct faculty and teaching 8,000 students. So, so many people, so many stories. One of the things that we're proud of in terms of reaching out, um, and a lot of people involved in this, but our, we've, we've got a good, uh, our distinguished lecture series. Mm-hmm. Um, we've brought, we brought a lot of folks to, to this community, including Supreme court justices, and yeah. United States senators and, uh, really important folks, and that's something we've we've always thought, you know, uh, good for our students, which is great, and fun for us to meet these folks. You can also, name drop, Ashley. Well, yeah. we did we did have Clarence Thomas, and mm-hmm. we had Tom Cotton, mm-hmm. um, Andrew Roberts, great historian. Um, we had uh, Bob Woodward. Mm-hmm. So we we've and and many many more. I'm I'm there's 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 a bunch I'm 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 leaving out. Um, so we. Those are that. That's a fun time, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll tease this one out. I, I can't name. We, we've heard from someone on at least on a par of of Clarence Thomas, who has uh, tentatively uh, talking about coming to visit us. So I'll say it here. Say it on the podcast. Yeah, Come on, I drop it, it right I here, right here. <laughs> right here. Yeah, right this here. is it. But stay tuned. Gosh, believe me, stay tuned. All right, yeah. that's a good teaser. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we've 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 had we've had a great time. Um, again. We've, we've built so much and we've had, we've had a great time. I hope this doesn't sound, uh, um, you know, wrong, but we've had a great time serving our community. And I think every person who's come through those doors has really felt that responsibility, that joy of, of being part of this community and, 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 you know, again, cliche being, um, part of the, the solution, um, a little bit. So, you know, we've, we've, we've had a great run. Yeah, Ashley has taught history at MCC for 23 years now, you said. That's right. And so I can't go anywhere without someone seeing Mr. Cruz Turner and and, and interacting with that. I mean, to think the hundreds and thousands, thousands of students now that have kind of been through your classroom and it, you know, those students are interwoven uh, in our community. So it's always neat to see Mm -hmm. them greet. And it's usually a positive interaction. (laughs) They said they loved it that time that uh, Dr. Sloan subbed for you. <laughs> That's what they're usually I covered once. Yeah. <laughs> so Marlene, are there kind of some stories that, that, that stood out to you in your history? Well, I think the students. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember having Senator Cruz on our um, campus in Fort Bend County, and they were going to show him the electrical lineman program and were trying to talk him into putting the gear on and going up the pole and, <laughs> And he declined. But um, there were two students there that I'll never forget. Um, and they were the ones that were chosen to show him how to go up the pole. And one, both of them very articulate, uh, attractive young men. And one of them was, um, he had already had a business degree. But he stood out in front of his house after Hurricane Harvey because his, his whole his whole family home was flooded and, mm-hmm. and so he's on the front porch watching the trucks go by and he said all the people were going one direction in their cars escaping and then all the emergency trucks were going the other direction he said i want to go that way mm-hmm. so he gave up his career and became an electrical lineman i mm-hmm. thought that was outstanding awesome. well the other young man um he had a full ride scholarship in swimming to Notre Dame, and a full ride scholarship uh, in academics to the University of Houston. 
And he turned them both down because he said, I want to work in an office. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, you know, what I was talking about earlier about Sparkle, um, mm-hmm. we all have that place where we feel like we belong. <laughs> and, and for a student to find that mm-hmm. and be excited about it is really what TSDC is all about. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. then the other thing is, you know, our, our funding formula is unique in the nation mm-hmm. and it is nationally known at this point. And I really give credit to Chancellor Reeser and to um, the chancellor before him, Bill Segura, who devised that. And, and we all, all of the, the presidents of the campuses were in the uh, Senate finance room when that was first an idea. And um, Chancellor Segura was speaking and, um, Senator Steve Ogden, whom I used to be his legislative director, <laughs> uh, was the chairman of Senate Finance, and he was asking every college that came up, are, are you willing to go on, on an accountability type of formula? And they all went, no, no, that wouldn't work for us. And Chancellor Reeser was, we're always last in these hearings because we're <laughs> the smallest school. And so he gets up there, I mean, Chancellor Segura, uh, he gets up there and he says, well, we've thought about it, and we like it, and we're going to do it. And the presidents in the back of him were going, uh-uh. <laughs> and but it was—it's been a ride. It's taken uh, a number of years, um, but it works for us, and mm-hmm. um, so it's a good model for the state mm-hmm. and and for the nation. Really, not everybody can do it, yeah. Because but we're a technical school, so our goal is jobs, and we're judged on whether or not we get jobs mm-hmm. for students. And if and that's how we're paid. Mm-hmm. So that works for us. It wouldn't work for MCC or well, other schools. But. And in terms of a challenge, uh, and we've the state has reduced their level of support markedly over the, the mm-hmm. last fifty years, which um, is really a success story, uh, a happy story that the community um, has has pitched in. So much. So, you know, when you look at those original proportions, a lot of that money was going to come from the state. And and now a little comes from the state and we're happy to get it. But uh, mostly it's uh, the people in the community subsidizing education for our our citizens uh, because they believe in it. Mm-hmm. And of course, obviously, everybody's pays, over there paying their share as well. Right. And it pays dividends. I mean, yeah. it, it's what drives our economy. So mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a smart investment. Well, I, I think it's uh, been great uh, to have you all here on episode two. Do you have uh, other questions? No, no more questions. Yeah. I'd just say yeah. it, as representatives of your institutions, thank you. Um, you know, very, uh, I think of ways that uh, TSTC, I mean, I, I couldn't have had my the, my business career uh, mm-hmm. without the, the talent that came, the pipeline of talent that came out of that school. And then... MCC as well, um, you know, my family has been touched. And my, you know, my children have done dual credit and some of them have gone through MCC. I mean, it is such a, a, a jewel of, of, uh, um, to, to this community that allows a lot more people uh, into higher ed than would have otherwise. Absolutely. I was telling Rick that before, so we've, we keep taking that Washington trip, but our Washington trip has gotten much better because of our, M- MCC alumni, Ross Tullis is now our man in Washington out there, do, out there doing great and so gratifying. And, and, and we've got several students like that. And Ross led us around the Capitol on a Saturday for about two hours. Well, anyway. he, well he almost didn't make it there because uh, uh, <laughs> Professor <laughs> Sloan was such a, a beatdown to uh, it when he when he went over to Baylor. But, no, so gratifying to yeah, see our great. students doing amazing things. Yeah. All right. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to the Waco History Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes so we can reach more listeners. You can find show notes and info on every episode at wacohistorypodcast.com and more info on Waco's past at wacohistory.org. Our theme music, used with permission, is Cross the Brazos at Waco, performed by the late Billy Walker. For more info on Billy's music, go to billywalker.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.